0: Myself. Let's see how this goes. I uh, hopefully you guys don't uh, don't completely hate my voice. and weren't around for Dominic because yeah, otherwise we're going to be losing listeners left and right. Or I'm going to be losing listeners left and right, I suppose. Anyway, uh, so what we're going to be doing now for the next few weeks is we're going to be taking a look at Quintet's Gaia trilogy, which consists of Soul Blazer, Illusion of Gaia, and Terra Digma. So this is part one of at least three parts. Might end up being four because Terra Digma's soundtrack is let's say extensive, not nearly as bad as, let's say, Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 3, which was four discs and four episodes, and I had to trim out a bunch of tracks from those. So, anyway, let's go ahead and get some of the nitty-gritty details of Soul Blazer out of the way here. It was released in Japan in 1992, where it goes by the title Soul Blader, which up until, oh, I'm gonna say two weeks ago, I really didn't understand why it was called Soul Blader, but it makes a lot of sense, because... You're collecting souls and you're using a sword, so yeah, um, it's yeah. You unlock souls with uh, your sword, effectively. So it makes a lot more sense now that I've really put it together because I'm not a smart man. But anyway, uh, this was not only the second uh, Super Nintendo game Quintet made, but it was also their second game they ever made overall. So fairly impressive. I I'll go ahead and throw a link to a review I wrote for Soul Blazer a few years ago. I was a little more harsh on the music in that than I probably should have been. The thing is, though, I played this kind of hot off the heels of ActRaiser, and ActRaiser does have one of the, you know, finest uh, scores of a early Super Nintendo game, so probably it wasn't really fair to compare the two, but, you know, coming back to this game and its soundtrack, you know, I think it was about five years ago I wrote that review, and coming to it a little bit more fresh and with a little bit less of the game's, uh, let's say, more tedious moments clouding my vision of the soundtrack, I... I actually appreciate the soundtrack a lot more than I did before. Um, the composer on it was Yukihide Takakawa, who doesn't really have a big catalog of game soundtracks under his belt, but he's got a rather extensive career outside of his compositional work in games. He's the vocalist in a band, uh, Godaigo, had a solo singing career, is an author of quite a few books. Just look them up on Amazon, you'll see what I mean. I was going to like maybe pick out a couple, and I was like, oh, wow, he's written a few. Anyway... Um, And he's also done music for anime, TV, and films. So, at the very least, he seems to be the most diverse composer um, whose work we've covered on the show, or I guess I've covered on the show now. Anyway, so something to look forward to at the end of the episode is you'll be getting a sample of um, his singing at the end. So, that's exciting, I guess. Anyway, let's go ahead and let's get on with the actual music of the game. So, the first track we're going to be listening to here is An Invitation to the Earth. All right, again, that was An Invitation to the Earth, and man, it's a good way to start this game and this album in general. It gives off a good sense of something grand, even if the rest of the soundtrack isn't quite as epic and soaring sounding as this one is. It's a fairly reasonable attempt at making it sound like a symphony with stuff sounding like something you know, but being just off enough that it's really hard to pinpoint what it's supposed to be. All in all, I like it. I Man, it might even be my favorite piece in the soundtrack, but it's abstract enough sounding that I'm a little bothered I can't pinpoint what instruments are supposed to be what in it. It's a weird thing to get hung up on for, you know, something that's sampling music, you know, the Super Nintendo sound chip, but I I don't know. I really appreciate being able to understand what these things are supposed to be, and a lot of the stuff in the Soul Blazer soundtrack in general can be a little bit harder to pinpoint, like, oh, that's supposed to be a horn section, that's supposed to be a string section, oh, that's supposed to be an organ. There's some stuff that sounds like some weird, like, cross between the two, and I'm wondering if that's just some weird early work on Super Nintendo that they just hadn't quite worked out the kinks yet because once we get to Illusion of Gaia in two weeks, you'll hear the difference in the quality of the, not the composition necessarily, but just the use of the sampling for instruments basically. It sounds so much cleaner and easier to like, oh, okay, well that's clearly this, that's clearly that, and and I don't know, like I said, all in all, I don't have a problem with the soundtrack or this track in general, like, you know, getting a little too ahead of myself I suppose, but... I really do enjoy this, even if it is a little bit harder to pull it apart and say specifically, like, oh, hey, this is this part. But yeah, anyway, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next one, and that is a small shrine to the gods. So that was A Small Shrine to the Gods, and okay, I'm not really going to be having this one like on Endless Loop or anything on its own playlist, but I kind of dig it. It's got this great heavy organ sound that isn't something I really sit down and listen to all on its own, but in the game you're hearing this, say for the first time, very quickly as you go from section to section in the area you're in, It's it definitely makes me think of something I'd hear like a big gothic cathedral, it's just got that really like loud billowing organ sound to it that just evokes that sort of imagery in my mind and it's definitely what it's going for but it's kind of weird because it's just this literal like little teleport pad in a cross shape and that's effectively what you're looking at you never really get to see anything else beyond that for the area that she uses the like area to area selection thing in the stages you go through of soul blazer so it's a little strange a little abstract but again i dig the vibe it's trying to evoke even if You know, the imagery doesn't quite, quite match up with what it's going for. Anyway, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track, and that is Lonely Town. That was Lonely Town, and unfortunately this is where I feel like the soundtrack starts hitting a bit of a weak spot. This being the town music, it's not too bad in short bursts, but boy oh boy, it can kind of get grating after a while. The higher sections in this track just get right on the cusp of being there, enough so that after hearing it for the the umpteenth time, it does kind of cross that threshold and get into the grating area. Again, it's not too bad initially, but you're going to be hearing this one a lot. And this is one of those tracks that repeated listening doesn't do it too many favors. So, yeah. Again, this is a piece of video game music. And sometimes you have to take these things into consideration when you're listening to them on their own. That they're not really meant to be pulled apart like this. They're meant to be background noise, fill space, and just sort of cover up whatever's going on in the game. And this is kind of one of those ones that, yeah, I'm just like, hey, you know, no big deal. It's not my favorite. And I don't hate it, but considering... You know how often you end up hearing it yeah it can get a little tiring so anyway let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track and that is the mines Alright, that was The Mines, and it starts off with a really good bass line. It throws in some funky horn sounds to kind of keep moving along. It's kind of a fun track that I'd call a bit ballsy for being as simple as it is. There's not a whole lot to it, and the minimalist approach keeps it from getting too stale. This ends up playing in the first dungeon you go to, so odds are you're going to be hearing this one a fair amount while you're finding your footing and how the game plays. I think that strong bass line kind of keeps things moving along nicely enough that you never really notice just how simple it is. Also, something you'll only actually notice if you play Soul Blazer, this track does a nice job of blending in with the sound effects. That's not something I think really happens again in the soundtrack, but it works really well here. You don't really ever feel like one is drowning out the other, so it kind of gives you a chance to appreciate the sound effects, even if a lot of them are reused from ActRaiser. Again, that's right. Uh, If you go and just go check out a couple videos on YouTube and just real like cursor gameplay footage you'll see that a lot of the sound effects in soul blazer are just reused uh sound effects from ActRaiser, which is okay quintet developed both of those games so whatever but still it's something that kind of threw me the first time i noticed it admittedly that was just a few years ago because i never played these two close together until i was messing around with the quintet's library a bit on an emulator um Yeah, so I heard that, and I was like, "Wait, hold on a second. I got it. I got to fire up ActRaiser just to make sure." And yep, sure enough, I was like, "Yep, okay, that. Yep, I'm hearing that. That's Jesus." (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and let's move on from the mines, and let's go on to into the dream. and that was into the dream. Uh this is one that there's not a whole lot to, but just kind of the like odd instrument sounds kind of work pretty well here. You go into someone's dream when you hear this track. It's just like ethereal enough to work in that context, but it still sets like kind of a strong tone. So there's something there enough that, you know, you hear it and it's very evocative when you're listening to it after you've played the game, you can kind of imagine exactly when it takes place but on its own it's just sort of this like this kind of weird little piece of music that again it, there's not really much to say about it so i will not kind of belabor that point any further and we'll move on to the next track and that is world of demons <music> And that was world of demons not really much to this one and it's also not really a strong point of the soundtrack either uh the little repeating four note thing going on in the background sounds a little bit like a simon uh maybe you're familiar with it it's that memory game from the 80s you might or might not know about uh yeah anyway i'm not a particular fan of that sound itself so yeah <laughs> what i do dig is the breakdown that happens about 38 seconds and it makes good use of panning and volume to give a sense of not knowing where something is coming from it's a cool effect for an otherwise fairly unremarkable track so let's go on to something you know again not another high point of the soundtrack and that is going to be lively town <music> What you need to do in a town to be able to move on, and this is what you're rewarded with for the town music. It's got a definite sense of triumph to it, but that's only if you paid enough attention to how lonely the other version of the town music sounds. It's a little more full sounding and definitely more loud, but it's barely different enough that you'd be forgiven for even noticing the change when it happens. I mean, after hearing Lonely Town for the 400th time, you might hit the mute button every time you head back into town because you're tired of hearing the song, so you might not even notice it happens. Or maybe that was just my experience because after a while, this game sort of became a podcast game—one where I would uh, mute a lot of the, a lot of the goings on and listen to a podcast while I was playing it. So yeah. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track, and that is World of Soulblader. The way this one starts off really isn't my favorite. It's got that Simon sound I mentioned in World of Demons in there, but when it switches to the more full sound about 20 seconds in, I really start to dig this thing. That section is a bit of an abbreviated section, but it kind of plays long enough that it keeps me interested in it, Uh, almost kind of gives me something to look forward to when that section hits through an otherwise simple track with something I feel is a definite weakness that Simon sound so yeah anyway uh, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track and that is The Marshland of Lost Sight I really like that last one. It starts off with a nice thumping bass line, has a nice heroic vibe to it with the horn, question mark, in it. It moves at a good clip, using some pretty good sounds to fill in the space, even if this reoccurring sound sort of sounds like a slightly lower-key squeak at times. It's got its weakness, which is that, you know, that sound you hear it throughout. It's, yeah. Anyway, um, but I think this is a good example of some strong music from Soul Blazer. It's pretty unique sounding, and... It's got a great baseline that really kind of keeps this whole thing together. And that's something I, I think I've made no, I don't think I've made mention of it yet, but a lot of these tracks that I really like have a good strong baseline to it. And that's a lot of what I feel is Takakawa's strongest work in this soundtrack, is the stuff with a really strong bass line to it. Most of the other tracks, I don't wanna see her throw away, but the stuff that seems to kinda of hit a little bit more, as far as being memorable goes, normally seems to have a good like, thumb and bass line going throughout it, so it could just be a personal preference on my end, but whatever. Anyway, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track, and that is gonna be A Temple in Ruins. one gives off a good vibe of being mysterious. I think it just sort of like immediately think of exploring some dilapidated, long abandoned place. Its use of instruments really sets the mood pretty well here. Unfortunately, not a whole lot to say about it otherwise. But I think it does a good job of being a nice environmental piece. So with that said, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track. Yeah, I know that was a very very short section there, but again, I didn't really have a whole lot to say. And I don't want to just not comment on something, I just feel like, you know, having something there to kind of break up the monotony of just playing the music, you know, you're here for commentary along with the music, otherwise you can just go to a YouTube playlist, don't do that, please, please keep listening, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track, and I don't know if I mentioned it, so let's just go ahead and mention it again if I did, uh, it is The Depths of Sea, <sighs> let me try that again, that is uh, <laughs> The Depths of the Sea of St. Els, yeah, there's there's a lot going on with that title, so just, Yeah. (laughs) listening to this one, I kind of immediately get the sense of rolling on some waves or something. It's got some variety to it, but it has a strong sound to it that's pretty unified throughout. But, if you do go back and listen to the section where the cymbals are being hit, the second round of them, the the last cymbal hit gets cut off rather abruptly. It's not something I think I really ever noticed until I was listening to it for this episode, but it's a little strange. It's like, come on, man, fade that out just a little bit. and did such a good job with this track otherwise. <sighs> but yeah, all in all, getting another another track I really dig. It's it's cool. It's not again really crazy hooky, but for me, I'm, I'm sure you guys have probably figured out my musical taste. Kind of leans a little bit more heavily on more intense kind of electronic rock type stuff. And uh, that's why Falcom Sound Team is such a mainstay in this podcast (laughs) anyway so yeah stuff like this is nice to listen to it's nice to break stuff up to but yeah it's definitely not top of my list when it comes to listening to stuff um you know kind of on its own anyway with that let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track and that is solitary island Another strong one. God, I love how the strings and horns sort of play off each other early on in this track. Really giving a good like hook to latch onto when listening to it. The percussion in this one is also really strong here. Really, I think this is making the first time I've had anything in the percussion stand out enough that I've wanted to like actually talk about it. I think barring the opening track, this might be the most intense track we've listened to. I kind of wish Takakawa had composed most of the other tracks in the game with kind of the same intensity level as this one. I think he does a good job here, and I would have liked to have heard more intense stuff from him. Again, I understand you can't constantly just be at this level of intensity throughout the whole soundtrack, but it kind of feels like there's a little bit, I want to say, left on the table with some squandered opportunities, but it kind of feels that way when I listen to this, and I'm like, man, Takakawa does a really great job of composing stuff that has some higher intensity. And he doesn't do it too often in the soundtrack, but I suppose maybe, you know, refraining a little bit maybe benefits the soundtrack a little bit because it makes stuff like this stand out a little more. Whereas I suppose if it was all just, you know, hard-hitting stuff like this last one, maybe this one wouldn't stand out quite as much for as it did for me. So anyway, uh, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track, and that is The Icy Fields of Lenore. I hope I'm saying that right. It is L E I n-o-r-e so yeah you tell me if i got it right if i didn't um well you know i have a history of probably not pronouncing things around this podcast and i'll just continue to maintain that anyway here's here it is Was another fairly simple one but again it's got a good baseline to it. Takaka was good at writing a solid baseline that's for sure. Anyway this thing it holds together really nicely with the organ-esque lead stuff playing off it pretty nicely. During the breakdown it starts about 43 seconds in right at the end of that section it starts getting really low and sounds rather sinister at times. I kind of dig it setting that mood. It's almost a little bit of a heel turn in the track's vibe, but I think it kind of fits into it really well. It's it's really a strange thing to hear it, but I don't know. Takakawa is a really good composer, as far as I'm concerned, even if this isn't his strongest work. Um, and, you know, I, I've been a little kind of critical of some of the other tracks we've covered. It's just, this was early Super Nintendo stuff, and it's a little hard to, I think, really fault him for... Coming at this soundtrack as early in the Super Nintendo's life as he did, you know, the Super Nintendo allowed for a lot more variety in sounds, and kind of, I don't know, I, I I tend to cut early Super Nintendo soundtracks a little bit more slack than others, just because of that. Other than that, you know, this is a pretty solid soundtrack, he's done some good work on it, and... Yeah, anyway, I I don't really know what I'm trying to stall here with. um, So anyway, uh, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track. And that is going to be Leo's Laboratory. remember a few tracks ago I was complaining I wanted more intense sounding stuff? Well, here we go. (laughs) Anyway, uh, this one's got a bit of a mechanical sound to it. Again, put it in context to what you're doing in the game, and it fits in really well. You're exploring the effectively like the basement or laboratory of a Dr. Leo who's created a bunch of things. Yeah, it fits in really well for that. Anyway, it's got a strong sound to it in the first section, and the second section feels a bit different with... That little kind of wavy sound, I sort of picture some guy in the 1950s in a lab coat turning a dial to make it happen. Again, kind of a weird track, it's intense, and it has some really unique stuff to it that you don't hear a whole, whole hell of a lot in early Super Nintendo stuff, maybe even some later Super Nintendo stuff. All in all, like the Soul Blazer soundtrack is not all over the place, but it's sort of unified by the way it sounds. It's something I'll talk about once we get towards the end of this uh, episode, but anyway... So let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track. And that is Magrid Castle. Takakawa really likes his strong bass lines. (laughs) Anyway, I had such strong hopes for it when it starts, but once that damn Simon sound kicks in 16 seconds in, it kind of killed me. It sounds like it's going for something different, and that sound just really sours me on it. The softer lead tone that takes over 49 seconds in is so much better, and I wish they used that instead of the Simon sound. Swap out that sound, and you've got something really good here. But, alas, Simon sound takes it down a few pegs. Yeah. It... (sighs) Like I said, there's a lot of unfortunate choices, I think, in some other ways, like just strong compositional work. I think some of the sounds are just not well placed, whereas the music as a whole, I think, is really well done. It's a little bit of a weird thing, I suppose, to try to, I guess, explain where I feel like if they had just used different sounds in certain parts, the whole soundtrack would have benefited from it. But this is just me playing, you know, armchair quarterback, backseat driver, whatever you want to say. I, I'm not a music maker so yeah i'm barely a podcaster when you listen to these things so anyway let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track and that is bewitching space when this track kicks off, it immediately makes me think, oh, this is going to be my favorite track in the game. But here's the thing. The breakdown 34 seconds in just sort of kills the momentum it has. It just starts off really strong and heroic sounding with a good steady percussion keeping things together. Even that little scaling organ just before that breakdown sort of leads my brain in a different direction just before it hits it kind of gets me thinking no there's no way this track is doing that I must be thinking of something and nope never mind there it is that's damn it it's so goddamn close to be my favorite track but that weird tonal shift just takes it out of an easy first place it's still up there with some of my favorite stuff from this album but that if you can't tell I'm genuinely upset about that part anyway let's go ahead and let's move on to the next song we're going to be covering and that is The Battle for Liberation I said I like Takakawa's intense stuff and that holds true here this is the boss music and while there's not a whole hell of a lot to it, it is just so fucking intense you can't help but feel you're on the verge of defeat from the first note it's so damn intense, it makes your victory all the more sweet when it happens I can't tell you how frantic this thing makes me feel when it plays in the game, the whole swapping item thing I mentioned in my review, just go read that please Uh, (laughs) it sort of comes to head here, fully knowing I'm safe in the menu, swapping my equipped items around I still switch things out at a bit more of a quick pace to get back to the action. It's a short loop, but I think it's a seriously good piece. Not too many pieces of game music take me back to being a kid in my early 20s and back to my early 30s even. Yeah, that was a few years ago at this point because I'm in my late 40s or 40s, 30s. Jeez, I'm trying to put myself closer to the grave every day. It feels like anyway, uh, (laughs) it takes me back to playing this game and giving me that same sense of shit. I've got to get my item swapped out and get back into this fight. Being able to do that, I think, is a pretty nice trick. You know, covering like three decades worth of my life effectively is just like, man, I don't know. Again, sometimes that's why I like video game music more than other music, is just because being able to put you in that headspace is a very unique trick for video game music. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track, and that is going to be Dark Lord Death Toll. All right, so I think this might actually be my favorite piece of music in the game. It's got such a strong sound to it. The snare drum kind of keeping a good rhythm. The scaling set of notes that starts about 28 seconds in are just a fantastic touch, too. Even that damn Simon sound doesn't hurt this one too much. 48 seconds in, it kicks over to some sh- like strings very briefly and then loops. God, it's such a strong, evocative piece. It's kind of easy to forget how early the Super Nintendo's life this took place in when you hear stuff like this. For me, this is easily very like top-tier, early Super NES stuff. Not saying a whole lot because there's some early Super Nintendo stuff that you can very easily go back to and think, like, oh, that was okay. But I-, I would almost put this up against most Super Nintendo music, never mind later on Super Nintendo music, basically. This is a very strong piece, and I think Takakawa did a very good job of just making a final boss theme that's just, really, really evocative and cool sounding and really kind of makes you feel like you're in the shit without feeling like you're completely fucked, you know? It's it's a tough trick to do, and boss music has always been kind of a tough spot for me, because normally you can't have it loop too long, otherwise it does get very repetitive, but Takakawa did a very good job of coming up with something that can loop a few times, but is going to have to play for a while without getting repetitive and i don't know all in all this is probably very close to my favorite i don't know it's between this and an invitation to the earth that i kind of like "Eh, which one of these is my favorite i i tend to waffle between these two as my favorite tracks so anyway let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track we're nearly done here guys don't worry uh the next track we're going to be listening to is peaceful days a little tough to go from such a fantastic piece like Dark War Death Soul to this, but it's what we're doing. Anyway, it's a nice little piece that starts off really kind of slow, but about a minute in kicks up with a more positive vibe. Again, there's not really much to it, but I like how nice this one feels. It's a catchy little thing that definitely is something I've learned to enjoy the more I've heard it, and after watching the end of Soul Blazer again, yeah, it kind of gets you right in the gut with the emotions and stuff needless to say you know in a story about trying to get the world back to rights after having basically every living thing nearly wiped off the face of the earth of course there's going to be a little bit of a melancholy turn to the end so yeah all in all I think this um I think this track does a good job of kind of striding that line basically so anyway let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track and it's effectively the last track you hear in the game But there's one more track in the soundtrack that came on the CD that wasn't in the game for obvious reasons. That will become clearer in a second. But anyway, uh, the last track we're going to be covering that happened in the game is called A Night Without a Lover. Yeah, I know. That's quite the title for a video game track. Alright, so this one plays over the credit roll, and it does a nice job of being one of the last things you hear, and uh, being a solid through line for the rest of the soundtrack. All the music in here is tied together rather nicely because of the distinctive sound of the Super NES. It's a soundtrack that does have a fairly wide variety of sounds, but it's all held together rather nicely. But hey, we're not done yet. How about we listen to A Night Without a Lover with Yukihide Takakawa himself singing on the vocals? So here's the thing, it's about 4 minutes and 45 seconds in length. Uh, I think you'll get about the gist of the track about 2 minutes in, so feel free to do that information as you see fit. <laughs> Yeah. Um it's a little weird. Sounds like it might be about a decade out of place, but whatever dig that Takakawa took the time to kind of rearrange it, and then sing it for the soundtrack. If nothing else, it's a fun little curio for this uh, soundtrack, and a kind of an interesting way to wrap it up, I suppose. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that'll wrap up this episode of Rocket With Your Card Out, and this is the first episode in our exploration of the Gaia trilogy by Quintet. So, in two weeks, we'll be back with Illusion of Gaia. I will be able to cram that entire soundtrack into one episode. There's a couple tracks in there that eh, I might cut, I don't know, we'll see. Soul Blazer was lean enough that I felt I could cover the whole thing here, and that's why some of the, we'll say, commentary is a little bit lighter than you're used to, maybe. Also, I am doing this by myself now, so, you know, whatever. Anyway, uh, if you want to follow the podcast, you can follow it at Podcast. That is R-O-W-Y-C-O Podcast. If you want to follow me on Twitter, that is at Jason Ariola. And if you want to help support this podcast and the other podcast I do, Multimedia Failure, with my friends uh, Vanessa Cahill and John Lucero. John Lucero was just on the latest episode of this podcast with Castlevania Rondo of Blood. We do a chronological exploration of video game movies and then rather arbitrarily rank them against each other. Oh boy, if you haven't been uh, guessed, I've kind of said that a few dozen times. So yeah, I've kind of uh, got a spiel down, I suppose, for that. Anyway, uh, if you want to support that, uh, get the bonus episodes of Rock Out with Your Card out, which, yes, uh, there will be one next week. So I'm, uh, dear, dear Patreon backers, I, I apologize very deeply for not being able to get that out. But I thought with uh, four episodes of full episodes of Rocket with your card out covering the legend of heroes trails of cold steel three. I kind of figured maybe you could do with a little break from us for a week and I could use with a little break just for my sanity. Anyway, Uh, If you want to support us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash gamesandjunk, and that will get you the bonus episodes. A shout-out such as this to Vanessa John and Alex Messenger for supporting the show at the $5 tier. So, if you want your name, shout-out on this, uh, you know, gigantic, huge, important podcast. Please, please, please go to patreon.com slash gamesandjunk, and you can chip in five bucks, and that'll get you a shout-out on the show. Aside from that, you'll also get the podcast in higher quality audio rate, a catch-all feed for all the podcasts we're doing. Guess what? Game Club's coming back. Already working on the first game we're doing, and that is a service wrath so yeah just uh, just be ready for that that'll be coming up eh, maybe sometime mid-december if not the beginning of the year uh will we're gonna work out the scheduling and i'm gonna try to get that trimmed back and yeah make some time for it also uh there's written content on the site you can go check out uh i i wrote a review for sagebrush pretty recently i'm kind of debating about writing something about the call of duty uh modern warfare you know the the new one Uh, its campaign and how I feel about it, but I also feel like plenty of people have kind of written about how they feel about it and just, eh, it doesn't really matter. You're here for the music. If you want to check that out, you can just kind of follow the site and something will pop up, so yeah. Uh, Anyway, again, just going to encourage you to go to patreon.com slash gamesandjunk because... I I would love to turn these things out a little bit more frequently, but, uh, you know, of course, the monetary compensation for that sort of stuff. uh, Yeah, but anyway, so tune in in two weeks, and I'll be back with the Illusion of Gaia soundtrack, and two weeks after that will be either the whole or half of Terranigma's uh, soundtrack, because, again, I don't know if I'm going to split that up into two episodes or not. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll talk to you guys in two weeks yeah uh otherwise backers i'll talk to you guys next week and
1: with a uh walter murphy file great i knew that groove was in your heart